you know, there's only so many people in the market that are budget qualified that are actually looking. And it's like, how do you address the larger portion of that pie, whether it's however big you think it is, 90%, 80% of the rest of, of your audience, they're not ready yet. Winget Podcast, GooseDigital.com, episode 54. Who do we have? Robin Kroll. Chris O'Neill. Kevin Butler. Michael Turksani. All right. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Hello. We're, 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 using, uh, we're using this time wisely, banging out our, our content strategy, just like every one of our listeners should be doing. Uh, this one's interesting. We, this one's going to be... Um, kind of like i think um, a misnomer because customer journeys is what we're talking about and i think normally you think of customer journeys as like a never-ending thing but i think a lot of people think of customer journeys as like the nurture campaign or you know you're dry you're, you're designing out something that that is basically going to end at some point i mean it's not going to go on forever or that's i don't know that we've seen too many journey maps that just go indefinitely so these are we want to talk about what happens when the customer journey that you're designing is over. And um, we got, we got a couple of, uh, of cool ways to approach this one. So Kev, why don't you kick, kick it off just cause I know you, you banged out like the outline and uh, then we'll, we'll go around the table here. Yeah, sure. I, I, the journeys are great. And um, it, it's interesting. We've been in a lot of conversations with clients and prospects about launching journeys, anything from new leads to, old lead re-engagement to even customer journeys and what do those look like once they've um, done some initial business with our clients. And so I think to me, it's always about, you're going to go put some thoughtful um, plans into how do we engage a particular audience, but then what, you know, whether the, the drip is a month long or two months and there's all these touches and everything, it's sort of at some point it will end. And then there's got to be a kind of a, a perpetual marketing plan, if you will, for, uh, what you do after. And so um, the, the high level to me is there's really three outcomes in a nurture campaign. I think uh, outcome one, the, the ideal outcome is the lead or customer does that thing that we exactly as marketers want them to do. They, they book a meeting with your sales rep. They say, I'm interested in a phone call. They, they do that thing and that's great. That's usually not the greatest percentage of the, the audience doing that. It's usually the probably the smallest, but we know what to do there. We uh, we automate or we uh, coordinate effectively to say, we okay, sales will chase down those interested parties. Great. We know what to do. But then there's the two other groups, and this is where the bulk of the attention really goes, is um, some of that audience will be kind of engaged, sort of engaged, and then some of the audience will just have no engagement at all. And so that's where marketers got to go back and scratch their heads and say, what do we do now? But the principal amount of attention will be on that middle group where it's, okay, we see some engagement, we've got lead scoring going on, we're tracking the touch points and what they're doing. And so I think the now what is really answered by how do we continue to engage those individuals? Because they probably represent your next sales meeting for your sales team. And so that's sort of the, I guess we'll teed off there, Mike can say, that's how we're thinking about nurture streams on today's episode. Yeah. And I think um, we can get, we can maybe get Robin to weigh in a bit on some of the, 
the audience stuff that that she's been doing and just sort of sizing up an audience generally. If you think of your marketing campaign before you kind of map the journey out, you, know, you just said there's going to be three kind of broad outcomes, right? And that that top outcome or the, the sorry, I guess you might call it the bottom outcome or the least least effective outcome is going to be nobody's, you're going to have a lack of engagement. That'll be a big pool most likely because that's just kind of how this stuff tends to flow. And I think, well, we've invested a lot of money to kind of move through this, through this exercise, right, Robin? I mean, we've, we maybe we bought lists and we've, you know, we've sized up audiences on, on the digital landscape and we've poured all this money in to get them into our funnel. We've generated a thousand, a thousand quote unquote, you know, responses through this program only to have 60% of them, for example, have no engagement. So I want to talk maybe just a little bit about, about that process first, and then we can dive kind of what you might consider to be more like that middle of the funnel concepts. Sure. So you're right. You have invested a lot. And I'm thinking also, you know, all the, the time and thought that goes into the creative and the messaging, and you're really focused on that, that best case outcome, Kev, as you, you described, and that's really the, the smallest percentage. So you can be left a little bit deflated saying, well, we tried our best, but now what do we, what do, we do with this group? And, and, you know, one of the things that we, we often see is that, well, nothing's done, right? We tried our best and, well, you know, okay, that group is not, they're not interested in our product, our service, maybe they're not the right person, so that they get left. Um, you know, so one other thing that it's, it's not often, it's, it's sometimes missed in, in building out a journey is that, you know, while you're focused on that outcome, um, building in opportunities to learn about that base along the way. So capturing additional information. So asking things like uh, industry or geography or, uh, you know, I'm thinking if you're engaging with an organization, finding out, um, you know, is this someone who has a decision maker type of title or an influencer. Um, now, th that section of your customers who don't engage at all, maybe they're not going to fill in any of those additional data gaps, but you know what, those people that have engaged partially or went through the entire flow, chances are that they've engaged. So that that means that you're picking up bits of information that you can then go ahead and say, well, let's see how I can then apply it to that group that didn't engage at uh -huh. all. Let me try a different tactic. Let me use a language or a content or creative that maybe speaks to that group that was more highly engaged. And maybe that's another way to, to, to drive awareness from this group. So I would say that, that, you know, that's definitely an opportunity. I think the learning part of uh, your point is really salient, Robin. Like it, it's true. Like, you know, in absence of actual results comes the understanding of results. And I think, you know, when you start these processes, it's everything always comes back to a funnel. And that's certainly like a, a big sort of um, vision that we, we champion, but I think you have to understand if it's, you know, the, the example that Mike gave, which is you have this list, whether you purchase the list, you've, I don't know, acquired it over time through programs and sub, subsequent other efforts, but how many, of these names or these individuals do you have to put into a campaign and how many emails you have to send in order to sort of understand various levels of intent and need? I think it all goes somewhere, right? Like you have to understand each of those stages and how many emails you have to send before one thing happens before another does. So I think that's right. And hopefully you can incrementally improve that performance over time and then 
at some point get to a place where you can say, we understand the steps required to actually drive a conversion, however conversion is defined. I, I just think that's a really important point that sometimes gets lost because it's like, oh, we don't have the, that end conversion right away. Well, mm. we're, we'll get there. One of the things that these um, marketing automation systems are really good at doing, of course, is the is the scoring aspect. So um, where years ago it used to be, you know, in the old days of email blasting, it was like the purpose of the email was to get somebody to say, yeah, I'm interested right now, which of course, as Kevin mentioned, that is definitely what we want them to do. But there's so much more that can be gained by um by what their actions are, mm -hmm. if you give them more than just that one option. So the one option is, yeah, you know, here's Chris's email, send him an email. Here's uh, Chris's appointment book, book it. Um, we want them to do that. But if they're not gonna do that, we also wanna be able to see if they take that other link and go to the website and have a look and take a look at, you know, here and there. This gives you the chance to really define the different sort of types of, of customers that are in your audience so that you can streamline those further journeys and so that it's not the end of the day if uh, the client doesn't book a meeting with Chris right away, if, uh, if, if it's going to take some time or that might not be just the right time to book that meeting, but you know, you want to pick up on if there's any other sort of activities that the, that the client has sort of gotten themselves involved in that indicates the fact that there is some interest there. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say more often than not, what we're doing with organizations that have these platforms that are deploying some of these types of tactics, fine tuning that middle of funnel sort of discussion. So bottom of funnel, no worries there. We know what to do with them. Middle of funnel, that's where it gets a little bit more interesting where we need to have more information that uh, you know, the system and the, what the client is doing, putting their hand up here, putting their hand up there to sort of indicate where they are interested so that we can shape up that, the communication with them appropriately. I love that point, Chris, because you know, when you're building out the journey, you're, you're sort of mapping all these um, actions and reactions that happen within, uh, you know, a, a, a somewhat defined path, um, but there are actions that happen outside. And it's important not to miss the, those clues, those website uh, visits, you know, anything else that can happen outside the structure of the journey that are going to give you a, a, a read or an indication on how those customers are engaging with you. And again, you know, back to the, the data point, that's an additional data point that you can then leverage as you go back and say, okay, what's next with this group? When we talk about journeys, though, I think sometimes the um, sometimes individuals can say, well, we're just kind of really narrowly focused on, you know, these three emails, these five emails, whatever, but that doesn't mean other things can't be happening in concert with those, right? And whether it's sales reach outs that are somewhat complementary to the message in these emails, whether it's, I don't know, digital advertising and targeting on various, like, right suited platforms like a LinkedIn or, or possibly like retargeting efforts, whatever, like these are all valid and sort of support of the nurtures too. But I do see a lot of, we're just focusing on emails and that's a big part of it, but it certainly isn't the only part, Chris, to your point. And then the tracking really uh, becomes even more important at that point. Sorry, Mike, I know you were going to talk. No, it's fine. I mean, I think the, uh, it, I was like, because sort of tune mine a little bit to what you were, what you were talking about there. I think the, 
you know, the journey you've, you've mapped it out and, you know, these, these outcomes are good in the sense that like no, no engagement here, a little bit of engagement across this one that we're doing. And then, you know, the bottom of the funnel, we know how to handle it. I think two things, one, one thought is that, um, to your point, Robin, we don't want to just throw those, those, that pile that nobody, that no, no engagement out. We spent a lot of money on it. Um, even if we ran this webinar and we've got, you know, 500, 600 people to attend it, let's say, but you know, really there's not a lot of engagement beyond that as part of our customer journey. You know, you don't want to just throw those names out, right? So you've got, they, they came, there was some initial interest. We need to develop them. So there's like a, a program around that. And that's, that's sort of one concept that I wanted to bring up is I think there's a lot of focus on that bottom of the funnel, Chris, you know, that, that you took an action in the email, you did something instantly. And now we're measuring the entire health of our marketing based on those bottom line outcomes. And I think the, the, the second half, what I want to say is, say is that what I think is really difficult to do and what we're helping clients figure out is not only kind of how to put your programs together relative to the funnel stage and the customer journeys and, and, and having a handle on that, but more importantly, you know, the performance side of the equation, you know, what, what messaging, what content is actually moving the needle. And that, I don't think there's very many organizations that really have that down when you say it's these messages that are actually resulting in a lower top of funnel cost per lead or that are once they're in that middle, the component it's, we found a message here that really moves their moves them down or increases the score to your point, Chris, like really seeing that a lot of this stuff is still aggregate man, managed at the aggregate. So you're seeing kind of, piled all together and you're saying, well, we moved broadly speaking, you know, from all the stuff that we're doing messaging from here to here, and we're not being able to, you know, you're not really sort of slicing down and having accountability where I was going to go is accountability on the marketing team for those messages, for that content. You know, I, I still think there's so many organizations that are struggling with framing this up and getting the infrastructure in place that the the light has been shined on the infrastructure and getting the right types of journeys mapped out and getting the right, you know, getting, getting this things into the CRM in a way that everybody can manage it. There hasn't been a light on, well, we have all that now and we want better performance of the actual content, better performance of the messaging that we're putting out. Something that actually yeah. does everything possible to move the needle that doesn't just find the, you know, the 10% needle and haystack type of thing that's going to go mm -hmm. drop to the bottom of the funnel. Right, Kev? So that's a great point too, because um, where I'm going to go is sort of the analysis of initial performance. That doesn't really get talked about a lot. So usually the, the big effort, if you will, is sort of let's get this, uh, this nurture campaign off the ground. And that's a win for a lot of organizations because historically they haven't had that. So, hey, that, that's great. I don't want to take away from that. But most of us don't get the first guess right every time. Mm -hmm. And so what what the that initial build is it's, it's a win in that you have this new um, collection of assets and engagement paths or nurture campaign or journey, but it's probably not perfect and you're going to learn and then you're going to incrementally improve. And Robin, that was sort of your point before, but then what's kind of lost in, in that is the, the review of, you know, round one analysis was that message strong enough? We really thought it was, we put a lot of effort and, um, thoughtful dialogue around why we thought the audience would really resonate with this message, but Hey, it didn't work. So now what? And I find I go back into these engagements with a lot of our uh, clients and say, you know, for whatever reason, this just didn't land. 
and maybe we just need to refine how we communicated that value prop or maybe we're learning that value prop just doesn't stick and we've got to move on and I think people are a bit sensitive to that and it's not meant to go and sort of unearth all sorts of oh well this isn't a good job or anything like that but I think it's you're getting real-time feedback as to what you thought the right message was in some cases it doesn't land and it's an opportunity to understand that in somewhat real time and say okay well what's the pivot from here and it can be big and it might not be big but I find the analysis component Mike of what you're saying is often lacking because it's like we just climbed this mountain we've got a nurture campaign boom <laughs> right yeah and it probably was a big climb yeah, and it's a, it is a big win, but um, it's certainly like the, the their journey has just begun, so to speak. You know, Kev, if you're talking about, you know, maybe the message, message didn't resonate, right? It wasn't the value proposition, but for every message, there's multiple channels and there's multiple formats for that message. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's not necessarily that, but maybe it's something that's more effective on uh, LinkedIn versus Facebook. Maybe mm -hmm. it's uh, a video versus a checklist. So it, it makes it more complex, but it also gives you more opportunities for testing before saying, just saying, no, this is the wrong message. It doesn't resonate with uh, the base that we're trying to engage with. Yeah, and I, I find like one sort of common theme that I, I've seen across dozens and dozens of organizations of their nurture campaigns and, and a, a wide variety of industries and kinds of audiences, your audience doesn't know you as well as you think they do. Meaning like to be high level is okay, to reinforce like the highest of core value props is okay. Like we don't need to jump right into the nitty gritties of why your API is a differentiator like it's like that'll come but first talk about the organization the the high level challenges uh, and pain points that you solve i think people's inboxes are just bombarded with all kinds of noise and i forgot the email i got this morning and i, I don't think high level is a bad thing and you may want to look at it like well we have a a roadmap of several journeys we want to put our audiences through the first is let's get to know you and then the second one can be, all right, this is kind of what we're all about under the hood, right? But I think that's a really good point, Robin. Yeah. So I think the, the what I'm hearing is the, you know, there's a, a climb to get your initial journeys up and running. You know, it's depending on your marketing organization, you might be, um, you might be in a situation where the team sort of born all that out and you're almost kind of married to that process as a, because it's came out of that team. Right. And then all of a sudden the team changes and you're back from, from zero again. But so that's one component where organizations are trying to lay all this out and get, and get their customer journeys in place and multi multi-step journeys in terms of like, you know, like you said, what happens when this one ends, where does it go from here and thinking strategically about that. But then the other side of it is that it sounds to me like we have to be accelerating both the journey creation side of it, as well as the content kind of iteration. If you want to call it content iteration, Robin, you're touching on, you know, the various types of, of, of content or ways in which to communicate the content video, et cetera, versus long form and all that. You know, I think so much of what I'm hearing is that people can't even get the basics out the door and get it done in a, in a, in a coordinated effort, let alone be able to say, you know what, we're going to start slicing off iterations of this to try to improve. I, you know, I think that that's a huge problem in, 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 in marketing. And we're, you know, we're helping solve that as an agency that can plug in, you know, and take bandwidth off and say, well, we'll do the, 
the testing. We'll do the iteration work. We'll, we'll put another one in because you guys are already just trying to manage your product marketing, you know, to the level that you already have it. But as a, as an overall kind of challenge within the, within the, I guess maybe more things, probably broadly marketing, but certainly in B2B that we're seeing, you know, that can't be overlooked just in, in terms of the amount of, of, uh, or the speed in which we, we should be moving at a lot of this, a lot of this stuff. Right. I think so. Like the other thing is like, so the whole question we're posing on this particular podcast episode is the now what, right? You've done one journey. I think marketers, we cannot be precious about trying to communicate an entire story in one journey. You can't, you won't, and you actually shouldn't. And I think what would be a good thing to do for marketers is to have some sort of Google Keep note or Evernote or wherever your notepad and just kind of what are the kinds of single theme stories you think you'd like to tell to parts of your audience or your entire audience, because that in itself will become a journey. So it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It can really just be one slice of the value your organization brings, but you're going to be perpetually running journeys. That's just the the state of digital business today and digital engagement and digital communications. So I think that's fine. So, oh, we want to have like an education session on why it is we're really good at mm-hmm. these services. It's great. Well, that sounds like another three to five emails. Perfect. Because we're going to be continually engaging audiences until those audiences are ready to take a sales meeting. And then we'll run that process effectively. But a majority of your audience probably isn't immediately searching today for that solution. So some of this is top of mind. And if it's done um, with some thoughtful effort and it's sort of, I don't know, collaborative with the rest of your marketing messages overall, then it's going to be a net win. The audience just isn't ready for that next step yet. So we'll continue to engage and nurture and just genuinely educate as we need to. But that's sort of my big thing is let's think about this in sort of piecemeal, right? Not, you can't just kind of blow it out of the park with one solid swing at the bat and then you're done. Chris, did you one, want to weigh in? Yeah, just the one other thing I, because uh, on the, 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 uh, the point that Kevin's making about, um, you know, you've got this journey and, and, and sort of what, what happens after that journey is done. Well, because we do so much with B2B, we know that a lot of the solutions that we are assisting our organizations, our, our client organizations in, in putting out there, you know, marketing and, and sort of engaging their audiences, there's multiple decision makers at the at the table. When you think about some of these business solutions that we're putting, that we're helping our, our clients get out there, it's like, it's not just one person, you know, I don't know, like buying a pair of shoes. We've got like, uh, there's, there's a multiple different people that are, that are at the table that are, are contributing to that discussion. You might not be getting that person to engage beyond a particular place because there are other, you know, individuals at the organization that need to be, you know, need to be sort of brought into that discussion as well. So you start to sort of see how it is that, you know, that one or two marketing journeys are going to maybe warm up to a, to a point, but you do need that ongoing sort of strategy in the middle of funnel to branch out beyond that one person you have the contact with. Uh, the funniest thing that, well, funny, it's, it's frustrating too. We've got these, um, these, uh, you know, general marketing ideas where it's like, I need to generate like 200, uh, MQLs per month. And I totally understand why that's an important metric to have, but then what? It's like, now that you've got the MQL, what does that actually mean? What is that, like, how is that helpful? 
right? And is there Cameron an unlimited amount of, I know. And then it's like, <laughs> is there an unlimited amount of MQLs you could ever generate? What happens <laughs> when you turn yeah, over maybe, all the yeah, stones? Maybe yeah, maybe so, not. Yeah, but, but I was like, so, so, so that, I guess my point is that there's like, um, there, there is an important metric in the, in the, 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 the amount of, of, of opens and the sort of the, the, the level of engagement that you have. But, you know, a lot of those are going to be like one and dones unless you have that next sort of that, that next step in the journey sort of set up. And if you're a B2B, if you're a B2B uh, provider of services, you know, you've got to really understand how it is that those, that those purchases are made. Because if your purpose is in growing your business, you've got to figure out how that whole thing works. Because you could have one person at a table in a sales meeting. It's not going to do the job. You might, again, advance the conversation, but you're going to need to have like the, the you know, the, that, that engagement is really going to have to be more than just that, that one individual. Yeah. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll move to wrap this up unless Robin wants to, to weigh in, but I did want to say one last thing and then you might want to weigh in. It's up to you. But, um, you know, something that I was going to bring up and then you, you mentioned this briefly too, Kev, is that, you know, the, the journeys that are being developed here and, and how, you know, they're being moved into nurture streams and connected points, et cetera, et cetera they, you know, we're all making this hypothesis on how, you know, we should be introducing our organization to, to these, to these contacts. Right. And, but I think what's true is what you said is that they're not all looking for your solution on the time that they, that they engage your email or, or they originally engage your business. Right. They're not looking. And that goes back to kind of that whole, you know, solution selling, mantra that, you know, there's only so many people in the market that are budget qualified that are actually looking. And it's like, how do you address the larger portion of that pie, whether it's however big you think it is, 90%, 80% of the rest of, of your audience, they're not ready yet. So I think that, you know, being able to measure those engagements and, and, you know, another thing you said was being able to track, you know, the number of engagements per, you know, before you make a sale and just data that helps you better understand that, you know what, as a marketer, it's okay that we're having a big base of these organizations that are continuously nurtured through these journeys, recognizing that they're not all going to drop out. They may not even all become SQL within the period that we would absolutely like, but you know, that last deal that we closed, it actually had, you know, 13 engagement points before it became a customer, before they became a customer, for example. And, and, you know, that's an area of improvement that I think a lot of, a lot of organizations have sort of drawing those parallels back to the business. So we just spent all this money to rebuild this audience, got all of it in place. Now we only did X number of deals. Yeah. You're talking about clicks and opens in this middle of funnel nurturing, but what is that actually doing for us? Let's just go buy another pile of audience and go do the next campaign and, and drop out the bottom. So I just wanted to add that in that, um, you know, the, the, this concept that they're not all ready. And if you can measure, you know, your thriving overall base of contacts and, and, and respondents as people that are continuously engaging your content and, and, and through your customer journeys, then, um, and be able to show what the impact is on sales, then that'll make it a lot easier to sort of continuously run these programs, right. And communicate to the business. Nice. Nice place to end that off. Let's do it. All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks all. Bye. Thank you. Cheers, guys. guys.